if you want to grow at an exponential rate as a person getting to know yourself, then the best way to do that is to put yourself in an intentional community that's also dedicated to the same because you will be surrounded by mirrors. It can be really challenging. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey everybody, welcome back to Psilocybin Says. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. I'm your co-host Eric Osborne. My lovely wife Courtney is also on this episode I'm uh, just going to give you a little introduction. First of all, I want to apologize for those regular listeners who may be waiting every Monday morning at 6 a.m. for our episodes to drop. And I, it's been me. I have just been swamped. And so I am not going to stress myself out. I love you all. I love our listeners. I love this show so much. But I got to take care of my sanity. You know what I mean? That's a big part of what we're talking about today, not necessarily directly, but if you don't belong to a community, then you probably know how important community is to your mental health. In fact, we believe it to be the other half of psychedelic wellness. With a community, you can grow and learn so much about yourself, about what it means to be a human. You can find your place in the world, find your purpose community is such a beautiful, beautiful part of who we are. I'm also celebrating that tonight we're starting back our sacred circles. Well, Courtney actually led one last week for the women of our community. I'm going back into the co-ed conversation. That's where I really thrive. I love seeing everybody coming together and talk about all the stuff that's on our mind that is what community is about, showing up and supporting each other. So if you're in Louisville and you're interested in our sacred circles, those are every Wednesday night at the Clifton Unitarian Universalist Church. Some great conversations, great people come in and contribute, and we're just all growing together. So aside from that, I hope you enjoy this episode. It starts off a little slow. Sometimes they're like that. But if you have any interesting experiences around the community that you'd like to share, you can feel free to message us on any of the social medias. Got some pretty interesting videos from some of our listeners about their uh, encounters with objects in the sky. Glad that resonated with some of y'all. I was a little bit worried, but there we go. That's what, again, community is all about, finding your people. Anyway, I'm glad you found this show. Hope you enjoy this episode and look forward to welcoming you into our community if you're not already part of it. If you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about this podcast. We appreciate your support and the valuable role that you play as part of our community. What is community to you, Eric? It's people working together to build a uh, I hesitate to say reality, but that's in in ways that's what it is. When you reflect on your past, what's your most favorite memory of community? The first thing that comes to my mind is when we were kids and we had a bicycle club. You know, we all rode bikes together. 
grew up in a small town, Kentucky, and there were probably up to 10 of us, and we would just ride bikes together almost every day. It was kind of like a club. Community, to some extent, has that kind of encapsulated feel, like this is us, this is ours, this is what we're about. It's a sense of group identity, and that's what I got originally in that bicycle club. Wow. It's like this is, this is, we're, we're, this is who we are. This is what we do together. Yeah. It was nice. There was a lot of camaraderie there. You learn from other people. They did bike tricks or, mm-hmm. you know, they got hurt and you helped them. You got hurt. They helped you. It was really a, a beautiful, perfect little example of a, a small community. Hmm. That sounds you? really nice. Yeah. What's your first memories of community? My first memories? Or the most prevalent? Well, and I think I've brought this up before on the podcast, but when I was ice skating Mm. and we all came together around a specific activity and it was something that we could really only understand with each other, the other ice skaters that Mm -hmm. I was with. So there were probably like 50 maybe of us who were really kind of dedicating our lives outside of school to that activity so it was very yeah specific and intense kind of similarly to what you shared like when we had hard days on the ice or off the ice or even like emotionally because you know sports are such a mental game we quickly would see that in each other like something's off what's up and we were there for each other and it was our source of talking about life and what was going on with our feelings and fears and hopes and aspirations and all kind of centering around and reflected by this activity Mm -hmm. that was ice skating was there a time in your life when you can remember not having community And how did that feel? Yes. My most prevalent memory of this was when I went to college and I just stopped ice skating. And Mm. I'd had that community for since I was six years old. Mm. And then all of a sudden I didn't have it and I didn't really know who I was anymore. And I was searching for my my new community and it just felt like it wasn't there. Mm. (laughs) And I got so depressed uh, my freshman year of college. And what was the next community you found yourself a part of? I reconnected with some people from high school who were also going to the college I went to in a different town. It was just a few of us, but we ended up kind of towards the end of my freshman year becoming really close. And we all decided to move back to Louisville to go to school, to go to college. And then I guess I started smoking cannabis. And then I got into the cannabis the community. community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was a radically different feeling than my ice skating community. <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> Yeah. Which I appreciated that feeling at the time mm-hmm. because I was ready to have a more Mm low-key existence than that which I experienced growing Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. It's interesting how we can shapeshift throughout life Mm -hmm. into different communities and find ourselves. Yeah. You don't don't have to belong to just one community either. 
Mm-hmm. And even ourselves, even, and even in those times that you're pointing out, maybe you were a part of a community that you didn't recognize. I mean, you were part of the Louisville community. You're part of the mm-hmm. University of Louisville community. And then mm-hmm. continue breaking these down into smaller and smaller subgroups. At what point does the community become really valuable other than just being a background container mm-hmm. and and maybe that's always like right now we're seated in the United States and that is arguably kind of our one of our big communities and we don't necessarily think about that as having a major direct impact on our daily lives and the people that are other people that it it, it does for sure you know the way people vote the way people spend money what people do has a big impact on our lives. Um, but I think when most people think of community, or it comes down into these smaller circles of their religious community, their sports community, their drug community. Mm-hmm. What's your most prevalent community right now? Ooh, my most prevalent community right now is it's a mix of sanctuary, of course, and all the people gathering together around spirituality and becoming more conscious of ourselves and and um the bigger picture then also equally i would say my friend group that has developed over time and has now formed a little community where we're regularly coming together i'd say every week or two Mm -hmm. and of course, it's kind of mixed with sanctuary because mm-hmm. those people share most of our values, mm-hmm. our values mm-hmm. and align with what we're doing with sanctuary. And so mixed together a little bit. Yeah. How about you? Most actively, obviously, is sanctuary. It is, as you're sharing that and considering a few years back, we would have said the psychedelic community. But now we're directly in a subset of the psychedelic community that is centered around spiritual growth mm-hmm. uh, and there of course is crossover with the therapeutic community but there is also a portion of the psychedelic community that is not involved and does not have any interest within the the spiritual growth aspect of psychedelics so mm-hmm. just thinking about how my bigger community that I've been considered myself a part of for the last 20 years is the circles getting a little bit smaller uh, and then other communities that I'm involved in, uh, I don't know. Sanctuary is such a big part of everything that I'm doing right now. But you know, we go to the Y a lot. I'm starting to get a little bit more involved in fitness community. I guess you could say to some mm-hmm. extent. I have virtual engagement in um, herpetoculture communities and the botanical communities still involved somewhat in microculture like i i do consider myself a part of the community even if it's online but i'm because i have this juxtaposition of an online community compared to an in-person community i'm seeing just how much more satisfying the in-person community is than the online community Yes. In-person community provides real assistance with life tasks. Well, I mean, I feel like our community is leaning more and more towards our in-person community is leaning more and more towards like actually coming together and 
having conversations around how we can help each other out. The in-person stuff, the the great value of it that I experience right now is just like going to the park the other day and just being in the park with people that I enjoy. You know, the online communities actually are very helpful in terms of information gathering and troubleshooting. It's really kind of what I use them for. Inspiration, the bioactive stuff. I'll go there and try to figure out how to work with different plants and things and ask people questions about if there's a new plant that I'm trying to grow and I know whatever, you know. Uh, So it doesn't have that same richness that you get just in being company in company with people and one of the things that i found is that in online communities where they are so hyper focused around a single subject when i have occasionally met those people in real life we don't necessarily have a lot of other stuff in common so the conversation is can be very limited whereas people who uh come together with in person if it's centered if it's centered around psychedelic spirituality then there is much greater likelihood that we're going to be able to have similar perspectives or um, have interest in the opinions of others around a multitude of topics because spirituality encompasses so much of who we are, whereas keeping a boa constrictor is just a very small portion of who Mm -hmm. you are. Cultivating mushrooms is a very small portion of who you are, but your spiritual wellness your personal growth practice is like all that and more yes especially when you add psychedelics even more specifically sacred plants Mm -hmm. into that Mm -hmm. category of spirituality then you're really encompassing a whole set of values Mm -hmm. i think that definitely is not like that is not a unanimous interest in the spiritual community is uh plant medicine so to speak yeah and in the psychedelic community spirituality is not like i said a a guarantee that everybody's interested in that but i think that what we're going to end up seeing and what i'm really looking forward to as time goes on and what we're modeling through sanctuary is that the psychedelic wellness practice is going to ultimately lead to community building as we see all this stuff in oregon and the legalization and the retreats and all that stuff it's just so obvious that the necessary and most glaringly absent component is a consistent and ongoing community. We really underestimate the importance of that stable community when it comes to psychedelic growth as a culture. I mean, looking at psilocybin and psychedelics as a therapy that you take this drug, you have this experience, and then you see the world differently. And that only sticks if you have a sincere community that you can continue processing these experiences in without shame or without fear of judgment. Yes, and it is not the same, like, don't get me wrong, I really value online engagement Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And for instance, our Discord server Mm -hmm. with members Mm -hmm. of Sanctuary. That's super valuable. Mm -hmm. And also it doesn't come close to gathering regularly and having like real time processing conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, in the park, walking around, there's moments of silence and awkwardness where there's this opportunity to share something Mm -hmm. that you would never share on a public forum that's online and not in person 
and here you are you find yourself at a gathering it's in person you're around the picnic table and it's just you and another community member and it's like well what do we say to each other (laughs) like I wouldn't normally direct message this person online and check in with them one-to-one but here I am I'm with this person and this is my opportunity to check in I feel like that's where growth happens in a way. Yeah, and more than more than check in to really open up and and be vulnerable. That's such an important part of who we are as people. We really underestimate the necessity that humans have to share their fears, share their secrets, share their weaknesses and vulnerabilities. You can do it online and you can do it in different ways, but it's so much more it's just who we are, you know. <laughs> it's like we didn't evolve over millions of years in isolation we evolved over millions of years looking each other in the eyes you know experiencing difficulties together and all due respect to the therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists and all that and then there will obviously be a need and a value in those professions but i'm confident that as we continue to grow as a psychedelic culture that we're going to find that we don't need those professions nearly as much when we have a community that is consistent and vulnerable and open and caring, especially when it is facilitated by the consumption of sacred mushrooms and other entheogens. I agree and disagree with that. To me, it looks more like the community becoming skilled in the skills Mm -hmm. that therapists are trained to have. It looks to me more like we teach each other. We learn how to hold space Mm -hmm. in a safe container Mm -hmm. for other people, even if it is one-on-one in a way that doesn't cost $200 for an hour. Mm -hmm. Like it's no, that's entirely what I mean, but it's like, but it's not as if, Oh, now we don't need the skills and the space that therapist you provide right because i think i know that there are things we cannot it's too scary and too feels way too unsafe to talk about certain things in a group for sure even if the community is consistent and open and non-judgmental there's still dynamics at play a community doesn't have to be a circle of people sitting around talking that's the great thing about a community is that you have individuals in the community that you identify more with that you feel safer with and you can share more deeply with and then you've got individuals that are kind of more surface level and you're just chit-chatting about this and that Mm -hmm. so yeah the the skills i completely agree that the skills and the uh, practices that we use in therapy are extremely valuable and they will continue to be valuable and there will be a need for those who can train them Um, But it's like the facilitating thing, right? Like we're not going to forever need medical professionals. We don't even need it right now. Medical professionals to be psychedelic facilitators. Mm -hmm. Eventually, through models like Sanctuary, we're going to see that community-supported trip-sitting or harm reduction, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. is every bit as effective, probably more so. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be way cheaper. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's more effective is because you have that community that all of this sits inside of. And you've got people that have different forms of wisdom and knowledge that they bring to it. You know, you and I have been to a few different therapists over our lifetime mm-hmm. and over as a couple. And each one has a perspective that is 
has a certain value and each one has their own baggage that they bring to it Mm -hmm. that is uh, unhelpful. And so that's going to be the same way in communities. So something I hadn't really thought about with community and around this topic of space holding is that that has been such a big holdup for me in pursuing new therapists that whole process of getting to know a therapist to even see if they're a right fit which Mm -hmm. you end up spending like a thousand minimum dollars Mm -hmm. just figuring out is this person compatible with me and you cannot figure that out until you actually spill your guts and get to a level of rapport with them we have a whole episode about this and our experience with therapy. Which we never came back to. We didn't? We no. never did? No, we were like, we did the episode before we went to therapy, and then we said we were going to do an episode on how shitty that experience was with the therapist that we fired, um, <laughs> but we never God. did. We haven't gone back to that yet. We should, though. Yeah, we should. Well, anyway. Maybe that's our next yeah, episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but with a community, that's all built in. You're you are feeling out the people in the community and building rapport and figuring out who is it that Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable enough with Mm -hmm. safe enough with who I feel like is not only a great listener, but a great question asker reflector. Mm -hmm. And we can't be that for everybody that we meet. Some people we just can't, the energy is not, it's not compatible. So you don't have to pay. thousands of dollars well that's that that brings up an interesting conundrum though because you know obviously people who who are therapists i'll say it's obvious but maybe it's not so obvious and it's not so always for the most part the therapists that i've known and worked with uh, as colleagues were therapists because they really cared about people they really cared about people and they want to see People improve their quality of life and people should get paid. You know, there's a lot of time that goes in, even if it's a friend. Mm-hmm. If you've got if you're if you've got a community member that is needing the support that is often such a part of the psychedelic experience, it requires a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody wants to have their time valued, even if they're doing it out of the good of their heart. They've, they've got to feel that their time is valued. So that is an interesting kind of element that we're seeing now within the sanctuary community in that we are developing this group-supported model that allows it to be more accessible, but it doesn't negate the importance of valuing someone's time and energy with resources i think that there's a i think there's a real misunderstanding that community should be or community is like a no cost thing you know think about think about right. the communities that you get involved in and very often there are a cost associated yeah with well churches i mean churches yeah churches across the board are my family that i grew up with like they my as in my mother and my grandparents on both sides and my mm. cousins and aunts and uncles mm. all those people have been my whole life and are still tithing to their church mm-hmm. a percentage of their mm-hmm. income mm-hmm. and it's for most of them i would say well not most of them i'd say for half of them they are heavily involved in mm-hmm. their church communities 
and the other half tithe and are not mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of maybe doing it out of some pressure. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they're they're paying for that community. I mean, that's a very common thing, right? That's oh, for sure. And I think about any community, if you're involved in the artistic community, if you're involved in the mycological community, or if you're involved in the car remodeling community or whatever the heck it is, you know, every everything has cost associated with it. So just, you know, when you said the thing about like not having to pay a therapist $200 an hour. To find, I meant specifically mm-hmm. to figure out that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes not a fit. And then you've, not to say true, that like the therapy that we experience, which we will dive into on an episode very soon in the future, but not to say that wasn't helpful, like that those sessions that we had were mm-hmm. not helpful because I think they were very helpful mm-hmm. to just have that sounding board right there with us. But mm-hmm. ultimately it was not a fit for us and this person right. for various reasons. And it's that part that I meant the paying to find out that you're going to have to find a new therapist now and retell your whole get really vulnerable with and feel like, Oh, mm-hmm. like I'm spilling my guts and going to really vulnerable places. And I don't even know if I'm ever going to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part where it's like, you're not a part of my community. Yeah. You're which more pros and cons there. Like it can be a benefit to speak with someone who's not tied in closely to your community. Nah, maybe let's, let's talk about that. Really? Do you think so? I, I, I question. Whether yeah. Let's that's talk valid. about it. Because that, I think, is what the main benefit of being in a community is being seen no matter what. And our tendency is to very often run away from having our ugly side seen, right? Mm -hmm. The things that we're afraid of. But that's also where there is a ton of accountability and value, you know, if you're yeah. in a community and you're really honest and you're not just telling your deep, dark, se- dark secrets is just to a therapist in a corner or whatever, you know, in some closed room. But if you're exposing and, and sharing your, your real vulnerabilities, your fears, your mistakes with a community, it doesn't have to be everybody. You don't have to blast it from the mountaintops, but to get, various perspectives at once and then to have that ongoing accountability i think Mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most important aspects of a community yeah i would i feel the same way but that's so valuable and having that person like just you know, I'm thinking of, for instance, a relationship, like a marriage. Mm-hmm. Say, just take, for example, husband and wife are going through some major challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's deep. And maybe there's even some abuse happening. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's something where I can see pros and cons to going to a person who's skilled 
in your community, mm-hmm. in your community, there's pros and cons. Like if they're tied in, they know all your friends, they're friends with your friends. They're, they know your kids. They know how you operate within events and they've seen like they've seen in real time, you and your spouse mm-hmm. at gatherings and the dynamic and everything. Um, and they know both of you. So I could see how that would be beneficial in that they can see both sides mm-hmm. and they can see things play out in a real time way and might have feedback, but there's no way, say, a therapist from outside of your community could ever give you. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that would be a con in that you may, as the husband and wife, you may limit the information you share with that person out of fear. Like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to tell her that my husband hits me because she's going to, she'll probably tell people in our community. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, maybe. And then, right. But then again, that's a pro. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where, and, and like, but, I, I don't have the answers, but I'm questioning how we have kind of created this compartmentalization, even within our communities mm-hmm. and whether or not, earlier more tribal models where there were there was more transparency in families and in the community overall possibly yeah being I, more helpful i mean this is kind of where i feel that the cult conversation <laughs> comes in maybe okay. because if i think it's really important to integrate with other communities like we've Mm -hmm. talked about being involved in in multiple communities and like getting outside perspectives is really important and helpful Mm -hmm. like i don't think like i think there can be a balance of in this same example of finding someone to give you feedback Mm -hmm. and hold space for you Mm -hmm. it could be extremely valuable to have somebody who shares similar values And who's also not all wrapped up in the energy of your specific main community. Mm -hmm. Because that could really delude someone's ability to give you good feedback. Because they're so wrapped up in in your relationship. That's possible. With maybe yourself, maybe your spouse. I mean, I have great friends that I just feel like I can only give you so much feedback before... I feel like it's not like, I don't even know how helpful I know it's helpful to a certain point, but I know your spouse and I, or I know your mm-hmm. tendencies mm-hmm. and we're so intimately tied that hmm. I could see, like, I don't feel comfortable telling you maybe things that I'm even projecting onto you because of how close our relationship is. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I think that all of it comes down to the mindfulness and consideration and compassion and broad perspective of whoever it is you're seeking counsel from, right? I mean, if you're going to a therapist or to someone in an outside community that has uh, a bias or an agenda, then you're going to get just as a just as a misconstrued or distorted uh, feedback from that person as you are going to get from someone who's in your direct community 
and has some kind of personal bias because of their relationship with you. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. the that's the interesting thing is that obviously community is made of individuals and the healthier each individual is then the healthier the community is as mm-hmm. a whole. Uh, so, you know, I totally get what you're saying, but I question whether or not, like, how universally applicable that is, just because we all have so many different biases. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm certainly very grateful to be back in an active community. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, like I said, the psychedelic community was who I consider or what I considered myself to be a part of for the last 20 years is my, that was my most prevalent community. But even then, I don't know that I really felt like I was really, really, really involved in a community because it was so centered around work for one thing and being you know, on an island for another thing prevented and then being that reluctant figurehead created another distancing for myself where I I already don't feel that way with sanctuary. I feel so much more a part of the community whose expertise and experience is valued, but it's acknowledged that I have my own areas for growth and there are people in the community that are interested to help me grow rather than just you know point out flaws and tell me I need to get better which is when you're like that's when you're in a <laughs> that's almost that's more like family <laughs> mm. not necessarily mm-hmm. but Depending, uh, yeah, on depending your on family, the nature, more like the family I grew your up family. with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're doing this wrong. Um, so anyway, it's just yeah, it's really nice to be back involved in community and seeing how it's improving my mental and the spiritual and even physical health. You know, going Emilio has been really helpful and kind of getting me more knowledgeable back on the the fitness stuff and. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it's just such a good feeling to be feeling like a member of a community rather than, than just an organizer of a community again. Definitely. I would. I certainly feel the same way. I really, really think, I really feel very strongly that we are pretty far ahead of the curve with Sanctuary. The community-supported, spiritually-based model of psychedelic wellness is where this is going it's Mm -hmm. gonna be maybe five or ten years before everybody else or before the mainstream catches up to it but having the experience that we've had and seeing how uh you know how helpful yes a single or multiple psychedelic experiences can be within a therapeutic intentional context seeing even more so how extremely powerful the ongoing community engagement and support is in really getting the most out of those experiences and helping you 
become the best version of yourself. Like if you're in a community and you're just constantly surrounded by mirrors and you're raising your consciousness through various practices, including entheogens, I feel like it's hard to not become a better version of yourself. That's what we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a um, video this morning by somebody who's, I guess, controversial now in the spiritual community but anyway she was talking about relationships and how you know she's helped build this intentional community and if you want to grow at an exponential rate and you are that type of you're on that path as a person getting to know yourself as deeply as you possibly can then the best way to do that is to put yourself in an intentional community that's also dedicated to the same because Mm -hmm. like you said you will be surrounded by mirrors and it's not all like rainbows and butterflies and yay we're all in this together Mm -hmm. happy happy let's (laughs) sit around the fire and sing songs and roast marshmallows it's really really it can be really challenging because mm-hmm. relationship is contrast it's like you getting to see yourself in the mirror and that includes everything i'd rather have that personally than not being able to see myself oh, at God. all no that, I, I, <laughs> which is really a horrible feeling and i've been there to where it just feels like I am truly alone in this world. Mm -hmm. In this Mm -hmm. time in my life, I am alone. And it feels like I'm going to be this way forever. And it's the worst feeling I've ever had is to feel that way. Yeah, so talk about that. You experienced it profoundly in Jamaica. You left the States and the friends that you had came to Jamaica and just kind of focused in on work. And there were, you know, a few people here and there. And then now you've come back and you're, Watching you rebuild your community is really a beautiful thing from the outside. So I'm interested in your experience comparing the two. I would say that was one of the loneliest times in my life, for sure, Hmm. when we were in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I felt like I had nobody even I mean I had you and at the same time you were that was a 24-7 job a lot of the time and so I was alone literally alone a lot and working alone and you know being the director of operations and always behind the scenes and making sure all the logistics were flowing and that's like a type of stress you don't want to (laughs) put in front of people having vulnerable psychedelic weeks Mm -hmm. so I would like intentionally isolate myself because I felt like that energy was not appropriate that I was I had to have I felt like to Mm -hmm. be in that role and so yeah I was isolated a lot and then having a a uh, very young child who guess between the ages of like one and three and a half I didn't know any moms like towards the end of being there I connected with a couple of moms and that was I started to feel like a little bit 
I don't even know how to put it. I wouldn't say happy, but seen. But that didn't happen until later on. And, you know, just like being literally on an island, mm-hmm. <laughs> like on an island. Like in a desert I, on an island. I was on, yeah, not, yeah, on an island in a very, on the countryside of an island mm-hmm. of a foreign country. Yeah, that was really, really hard. And like I made the most out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I never became suicidal or anything but I felt I cried a lot and felt like not myself coming back here to Kentucky in Louisville where I grew up like in the culture that I know surrounded by people felt and feels I like the word you used earlier rich It feels like me. I feel home. Like Mm -hmm. I feel truly like I'm at home. I can, (laughs) I can go somewhere and meet people that, that want to meet me. And that was the thing in Jamaica. Like I, I really struggled with feeling like people were interested in getting to know me. I felt like I brought for the first year or so, I really brought that energy of wanting to know people And Mm -hmm. I felt rejected a lot. And, you know, this is a whole conversation and deep dive into my subconscious and how much of that was I projecting. And, you know, again, we're all mirrors. So there's a lot of stink face down there, especially women to women. Yeah, it's just a cultural thing that I didn't know how to engage with without Mm -hmm. taking personally. And it took a big toll on me. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not alone in that. I've I've spoken with other like expats about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a thing. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to respond in a way that incited trust (laughs) with um the local women there and so I just got triggered for a while and that made it worse and so um so yeah coming back here felt like whew like a million pounds taken off me like I was getting smiled at like I got back you know as soon as you get back into the states as soon as I got back to the states like People were, like, starting conversations with me, like, seemingly interested in me. And I felt like I was seen. I existed again. Like, I'm not alone. I've mm. There's people in this world that literally see me. Mm. Because oftentimes in Jamaica, I felt like a ghost. Like, mm. I felt like I didn't even exist. Like, people, you know, yeah, not wanting to make eye contact with me oftentimes or get annoyed in my enthusiastic greetings like hey you know and getting my yeah god just like you're so freaking annoying woman i did make a couple friends before like right before we left (laughs) but i'm glad i had that experience i'm really Mm -hmm. grateful i had that experience because again contrast i would have no idea how Mm -hmm. good i have Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. being me right here where i am yeah I would have no idea how good this feels if it wasn't for that. So I'm I'm really grateful. I would not take that experience back. Like mm-hmm. I needed that. Same. Yeah. Yesterday watching you at the pool with your friends, just 
hanging out with, you know, another mom and her kid in the pool and friends and hanging out. It just, God, it brought so much joy to my heart and being able to experience the different you in both situations. It is um, so obvious how important community is and it is something that I, I'll, I'll never let anything interfere with that again for your health and for mine. I think of your health more because I, I can isolate and be okay. Not that it's healthy. And it's something that I am really starting to allow myself to embrace is the, the aspect of community that supports me it's the trap kind of weird place that I've been in for for so long and even before Jamaica and Maiko you know I was doing the cultivation extensively and a big part of my community was centered around cultivation and I was the only or I was the most experienced person around so I've always or for a very long time I've been like an authority figure in my community and in Jamaica that was really fucking hard because my community was my employees basically for the most part. It's just very challenging to ever to fully lean on that dynamic to support you when you need it. And so there was always this kind of arm's length between myself and the people who were employed by us and the people who I was being of service to, you know, someone coming down to Jamaica and spending $6,000 on a week-long retreat to heal their depression. You form bonds and you make friends, but very, 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 very few and far between or someone that you feel like you can, that they, they can have that kind of same reciprocity with. Whereas now coming back and the way that we're working and expressing this experience and professionalism around psilocybin is so different and it does allow me to like most of the people that I am engaging with who are a part of sanctuary they're not paying me for anything they're not employed by me they may be volunteering or helping out but it's just that it's us all creating this community to help each other yeah it's not a it's not a transaction of i pay you you're performing a service for me Mm -hmm. and then i leave yeah like i have the service i have the product delivered and then i walk away with it Mm -hmm. and we're done transacting this Mm -hmm. with this relationship it's like the transaction is ongoing and long term Mm -hmm. and two ways Mm -hmm. it's not like i'm performing for Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. we are performing for each other Mm -hmm. and all of us yeah so it's a very different feeling and experience yeah and i just i just i feel in my bones that this is the future of psychedelic wellness and i'm really excited that we're able to be in the place that we are with it and that all of our experience like you said the contrast from what we experienced for years has helped us to see the value of what we're living now and bringing that to the world and really fostering c- 
community around these experiences, empowering people rather than this kind of somewhat codependent relationship feels so much better. Yeah, I think this is not only maybe initially the the future of psychedelic wellness specifically, but I think this is just like the future of wellness and... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, like, I see psychedelics as centered, central to the future of wellness, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So they're they're, com- they're coming back, and they're going to be such a big part of the holistic uh, picture. Yeah, and community. That is something that, that was just illustrated very clearly to us in the past couple of years with COVID mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. isolation mm-hmm. and the mental health crisis that Mm -hmm. we were already in escalating Mm -hmm. quickly and exponentially so Mm -hmm. and how are how are we setting ourselves up for to take care of each other that illustrated how we are set up Mm -hmm. as as a culture over here in the u.s i mean it's different everywhere but how many places in the world are people really knowing their neighbors and knowing they're being actively involved in their neighborhoods or whatever mm. the relative term may be? Well, in the world, it's probably a lot more than in the U.S. And that's what we did yeah. see in Jamaica. We did see that the Jamaicans were very involved in mm-hmm. each other's lives. And their yeah. their community was, was pretty tight. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of group celebrations. Mm-hmm. And there's always people coming out together and going to the beach and doing things. Yeah. And it's something that we, maybe that's another huge value that we take away from that, you know, coming back to the States and seeing how even as wonderful as our community is, it's pretty far cry from what most of the world experiences as community, the United States, you know, the like you said, you know, people live in apartments, never talk to their neighbor and whatnot. We're so desensitized over here in the States and so many places and most places you hear an ambulance go down the road and it's like, okay, just another, like you think, I hope everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. most likely I hope I don't know anybody mm-hmm. that is in that ambulance or going to be in that ambulance. But then it's, that's a fleeting thought. And then you move on to the next thing you're doing. Whereas like, can you imagine in Jamaica, (laughs) like if an ambulance went down the road, like in at least where we were in the countryside, yeah, it's different in Kingston and, you know, but not as different. I mean, even in Kingston, I've, I've really experienced that communal nature. I mean, people in their own, you know, in their own little yards Mm -hmm. speaking to each other. Yeah. Uh, So, Maybe that's something that psychedelics will bring back to America is that that local community that's not it's based on um, geographics rather than necessarily a shared interest. You know, like that's kind of an interesting thing. Our communities so much are centered around shared interest, whereas in, say, Jamaica, the community, there were communities of shared interest, but there were also I think even more importantly, we're communities of your immediate location. It's one of the things that Conga said to me that really impressed me 
that I've given a lot of thought to over the years is that the most important person to you in the world is the person that's in front of you. The most important people in the world to you are the people that are right around you because shit goes down. Yeah. Like you need somebody, you know, you know, and that was, that really struck home. And even us, you know, we here have our, uh, wonderful neighbors that we do speak with, but we don't get together and hang out. We do check on people when we, like we saw Miss Smith fall and, made all of our efforts to get a hold of her son and all that stuff, you know, and we do take care of each other that way. Uh, but it, it could be even more like block parties. You mentioned having like trying to have block parties and that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It's just always been such a beautiful thing to me to help grow and build community. And, um, yeah, really grateful yeah, to be doing what we're doing. I mean, like what's, have we really touched on in this episode? What, we want community to look like on a regular basis like what's well, our ideal vision of do we want to just focus on a, a sanctuary community or our not necessarily yeah, I mean, just what, do you, what do we mean here i mean when i think i guess like the the biggest small community that i think about is louisville right so what do i want my community of louisville to look like i want it to look like a place that is uh, compassionate and considerate, kind, curious, non-judgmental, uh, collaborative, cooperative. I want it to be diverse. I want there to be lots of different perspectives and everyone respecting each other's perspective. I want it to be a community where people feel good about saying hello to people when they're walking down the street and just looking each other in the eyes and pulling over and helping somebody when they got a flat tire or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. There's a, there's a lot of memories that I have of observing Jamaicans, honestly, how they took care of each other that I would love to see us mm-hmm. do here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that they there wasn't some of that shared with us as well, uh, you know. I always felt like an outsider there and always would as long as I was there uh, because that's just, that's part of the culture. And I don't want that to be a part of my community. I don't want, I don't want the community that I call home to have that kind of insider's only perspective, that defensiveness want to be an open armed welcoming community to people who are, you know, peace loving and kind. We don't, I don't really want to open my arms to people that have ill intent. You don't want to open your arms to people that have ill, Ill Ill intent. intent. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to like, you know, I think that there is, there is value in selectivity to a certain extent. You know, if someone's coming into your community and they're just, I don't know, abusive or mean or mm-hmm. like, I don't want, uh, I don't want that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I envision kind of like, I mean, I don't know. How do I say it? I love your vision that you just described of our city and all of those values that you listed and I love the idea of 
focusing on the sub communities within that Mm -hmm. and developing a model that's strengthening those sub communities and I'm really curious what that looks like like I for the last six months have just had this really clear vision at times of walking around our neighborhood and envisioning a community center Mm. in our neighborhood and how game changing I feel like that could be for our family Mm -hmm. our children and just us not knowing the kids and the families in our own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know some, yes, like on our streets right next to us, but there's so much like untapped mm-hmm. <laughs> community, mm-hmm. I feel like, all around us. And I, I would so love to see central gathering places for neighborhoods in in our in our city and um everywhere really i worked with a guy years ago who was a um neighborhood planner and i forgot what it was the term that he used but basically he was trying to convince cities to or convince development groups to create neighborhoods that were like what you're saying that were Mm -hmm. an actual community centered around a a meeting place where people Mm. could come together and share space and get to know each other and look out for each other. The kids could grow. God. And like that goes back to my bike community. That's what it originally was all about. And where I woke up and felt excited is when there were people in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. that I knew like, Hey, we're going to get together and we're just going to goof off. We're going to go explore. We're going to go to the Creek. We're going to ride bikes whatever it is and to have that you know our kids wake up and they don't have that our kids wake up and they think about okay we're gonna go to the y and wonder if that kid that i saw there last week is there or i'm gonna go to whatever and there's some people yeah. you know go to the park and it's these random kids that consistency that community mm-hmm. really brings is is super important yeah so all right, well, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this conversation about community and maybe thinking about the communities that you're involved in. If you are looking to be a part of a growing psychedelic spiritual community, obviously Sanctuary is out here and doing a lot of that work. We're right now, uh, you know, most of what we do is online, uh, but there is value there. And as we continue to develop our training certifications and minister trainings, we're going to have more and more locations around the country where people can gather and be a part of the smaller sub-communities of the big sanctuary. That's a neat thing to consider as we emulate kind of big and small what community looks like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks. And the beating of the drum.